tonight, uh, we'll be looking at day four. Um, so we'll be looking at the, the creation of the, of the luminaries, the, the sun, moon, and stars. And uh, the previous weeks, we looked at days uh, one, one through three, uh, with the, where God created everything out of nothing in the beginning, uh, the, the absolute beginning. Uh, and then uh, we saw that the, the earth was uh, barren, uh, and watery and uh, empty. And then over the next three days, uh, God created uh, environments uh, and took away the, the barrenness and uh, even filled it with vegetation. Uh, so now th- those environments that we saw in days one through three, uh, the, the day and the night, the heavens above, the uh, earth and the seas and uh, the vegetation are uh, now ready to be uh, filled and populated with his uh, creatures and the, the inhabitants of uh, creation. Uh, and we also talked about in our overview, uh, if, if you remember, uh, how uh, many say that days one and two correspond, or days one, one and four correspond with one another, uh, two and five and three and six. Uh, but it's uh, not a simple correspondence, but a, a complex uh, correspondence. So uh, day four, uh, with the creation of the lights, corresponds with days uh, one and two. Uh, corresponding with day two, the luminaries, the lights, inhabit the, the, the heavens above that God created. Uh, and then corresponding with day one, uh, the luminaries uh, separate the day from the night and light from darkness and uh, fulfill many of the, the functions that uh, light did on uh, day one. And then uh, for the, the components of day four, uh, it's very much like the other days. Uh, we'll see a command to create the, the lights uh, in the, the heavens and for them to fulfill their, uh, their purposes that God sets for them. Uh, a report that what God commanded came to pass, uh, followed by an action of God creating the lights, uh, and then an, an evaluation and uh, the close of the, the fourth day. And we'll see here that uh, God uh, begins to fill his uh, bright, uh, productive, inhabitable uh, creation uh, with uh, inhabitants, and he uh, begins to populate it. And we'll see that he, uh, the the God of Israel, uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is the one true uh, creator God. Uh, He and he alone is the uncreated creator and a ruler over uh, everything. So now, uh, before getting into the text, let's let's just read days one through four uh, together. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, 
and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. And now let's begin with the, the command and the, the report uh, paying special attention uh, to the function uh, that God assigns for, for all of the lights. And so it says, And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons, and for days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. Uh, so first we see that, uh, again, just like all the other days, uh, it begins with uh, God's word of command, uh, calling the, the stars uh, to come, come forth. Uh, and so uh, back in, in those days, uh, if they looked into the skies, uh, they would have seen thousands upon thousands of, of stars filling, filling the skies, and they would have seen them much more clearly than we do today with, with all of the, the artificial uh, light. Uh, but uh, today, uh, as, as I understand, uh, now we know uh, by looking through special telescopes uh, that there are uh, billions upon billions of galaxies uh, and some galaxies alone have trillions of stars. Uh, and so just as uh, scripture says in a number of places, the stars are, are quite literally uncountable. You cannot count or number uh, all of the stars. Uh, nobody knows how many stars there are 
uh, in, the, in the sky. And so think of God just uh, calling out by, by divine fiat, uh, just by his word of command uh, for the, the stars to stand fast, to come into existence. Uh, and in an instant, they, they all appear. Uh, they, they fill the, the empty heavens above. Uh, and just uh, what sort of power uh, that is uh, that, that God could, could just uh, do that. Uh, and then we see that uh, God places the, the lights uh, in the expanse uh, of the heavens. Uh, and this is the, the very same expanse uh, that we saw on day two uh, in uh, verse eight. Uh, and God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and morning the, the second day. Uh, that, that's the same expanse that separated the, the, the waters uh, of the, the deep. Uh, and so day four uh, corresponds closely with, uh, with day two, not just with, uh, with day one. And uh, Kenneth Matthews uh, gives some of the, the background about the, the pagan culture and such and what, what they believed and uh, just the, the significance of God being the, the creator of the stars and them being his uh, creations. He says, The description of the celestial bodies is phenomenological, uh, presupposing a human view of the planets from the earth. Uh, if you remember, phenomenological, it's, it's how things appear. So if you were standing on the, the earth when God did this, uh, in looking into the sky, uh, you would see them uh, appear in the, the heavens above. The narrative stresses their function as servants, subordinate to the interests of the earth. They are to differentiate day and night and to distinguish the seasons, days, and years. This differs significantly from the superstitious belief within pagan religion that the earth's destiny is dictated by the course of the stars. Nevertheless, the celestial bodies have the honored role as rulers, but their realm is carefully restricted to the skies, whereas on the sixth day, human life is appointed to rule the terrestrial world. So on, on earth, uh, what appears to be at stake in the narrative is the answer to the ancient question about who rules the skies and the earth. Mesopotamian and Egyptian religions speak of their great cosmic gods of heaven, air, and earth. Uh, the Sumerians have their Anu, Enlil, and Enki. Uh, the Babylonians have their trinity of stars, Sin, Shamash, and Ishtar. And Egypt has Nut, Shu, and Geb, with the preeminent astral deity, the sun god, Ra. Genesis declares otherwise. Israel's God rules the heavens and the earth. Uh, the ancients misinterpreted the prominence of the celestial bodies, which owed their existence and authority to the unseen one. Uh, and so the stars are just created objects. Uh, created objects uh, of God. Uh, and he is the creator of all things. They're, they're no different than the, the heavens and the earth and the seas and the vegetation. Uh, they are not uh, living beings. They are not uh, gods and they do not control our destiny. Uh, we look to uh, Yahweh, the creator of all things. He is the one who controls destinies and 
calls things into existence. And now I'd like to take some time uh, to uh, focus on the creative purposes that God assigns for the, uh, for the luminaries. Uh, in their three initial uh, creative uh, purposes or functions, uh, and many of these largely reinforce uh, the purpose of light on uh, day one. Uh, and so uh, first, uh, the first function is uh, to separate the day uh, from the night. Uh, second, uh, they are to be for signs and for seasons and for days uh, and years. And then finally, uh, they are to give light uh, on uh, the earth. Uh, and the, the first two largely uh, concern issues of ordering uh, time. Uh, and the, the last one, uh, especially for uh, the provision of light. So uh, first, uh, let's begin with the first one uh, to separate uh, the day from the night. Now, if you, if you look at this uh, in verse 14, and God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. Now look uh, in verse 18, low ways into it, uh, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from uh, the darkness. Uh, day and night and light and darkness are used uh, interchangeably, just like on day uh, one, uh, starting in verse, uh, let's see, verse four. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. Uh, now, if you remember when we stayed the word day, uh, yom, uh, it has different uses. And in this case, uh, it's the light. It's the, the period of, of light opposed to the period of darkness. So not a 24-hour period day, but just uh, the, the per period of light uh, during the, uh, the, the daytime. Uh, and so we, we see that the, the luminaries serve the, the same function. It's really like the, the torch has been passed on to the luminaries uh, to serve the, the same purpose that the, uh, the, the creation of light on day one did uh, with, without their, their help and without their aid. Uh, and then they sharply uh, separate or distinguish uh, the uh, day and night in and, and light and darkness and uh, it's pretty simple to, to see how uh, you, by day you, you have the, the brightness and the, the heat of the, the sun. And uh, by night you, you have the, the cool glow uh, of the moon. Uh, and really, uh, this regulates the, the natural uh, cycles uh, of human activity, uh, of our activity and inactivity, uh, of our work uh, in sleep. Uh, day and night is uh, just fundamental to, to what we live and uh, how we live from, uh, from day to day. And, uh, and if you go against that, it, it oftentimes can cause uh, problems uh, if you try to ignore sleep and uh, ignore and uh, escape the, the night. Uh, so we see that uh, these things are not bad. I mean, some people might think that it's bad that we can't just uh, be awake all the time and uh, be, be productive without ever uh, sleeping and resting. But uh, God has created us as finite creatures uh, who 
uh, get tired, who can only get so much done uh, in a day, and uh, ultimately we're dependent on God. And it uh, looks like Reba could maybe use a little shut eye pretty soon too. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but uh, the, these things are uh, they're they're good. Uh, they're they're not bad. God, uh, this is how He originally created them. Uh, and then their second function, other than separating day from night, is to be for uh, signs and for seasons and for days and years. Uh, and that's important. Uh, literally, it's for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Uh, and so there are uh, kind of uh, three different uh, periods of time that we'll be looking at that uh, help to uh, distinguish uh, in, distinguish between shorter and longer periods of time uh, in our lives and uh, from day to day and uh, in the years. And so let, let's look at them in uh, reverse order uh, because the seasons and signs uh, raise, raise a few more questions. And so uh, days and years... Uh, th- these are just the, the basic uh, building blocks uh, of uh, human activity, uh, of our uh, calendars and how we order things and uh, think about time. Uh, even with the, the first day, uh, with the creation of light and darkness, uh, and day and night and evening and morning, uh, even the, the creation week is uh, ordered uh, by uh, the, the dates, uh, one day after another, uh, forming a a whole week and so uh, a day uh, may be perhaps the the most basic unit of uh, of time and how we how we live our lives it uh, sets the the very rhythm of life uh, and builds our weeks and months and uh, years Uh, and uh, as I said it's uh, just part of being a a finite time-bound creature Uh, God doesn't uh, worry about days or anything uh, uh, as Peter says, uh, with the Lord, a thousand years is as a day and uh, a day as a thousand, thousand years. God's uh, outside of time and uh, isn't, isn't limited and bound by it. And so uh, the, the lights are to, to help order the, uh, the days and years, uh, but they are also for uh, seasons. Uh, and the word for seasons, uh, moed, uh, it actually often refers to uh, appointed, designated, fixed uh, times. Um, and so uh, it, it's probably a bit more general than, than seasons. Uh, there are a number of uh, translations and lexicons, fancy word for, for dictionary. Uh, that, that's what you call it if it's a really expensive dictionary, so you, you feel a little better about spending uh, so much money on a, a dictionary. You, you get to call it a lexicon. Um, but they're there. <laughs> uh, so, so some, uh, some uh, translate it as uh, just a, a season. Uh, so Dictionary of Biblical Languages, Hebrew, uh, the Bible sense lexicon, uh, just say it's uh, a season. Uh, and so uh, one, one definition, uh, one of the natural periods into which the year is divided by the equinoxes, equinoxes and solstices or uh, atmospheric uh, conditions. Uh, another common translation uh, is sacred seasons or uh, feasts. Uh, you, you could 
uh, also translated the uh, the assemblies uh, that God gave to uh, to His people as feasts throughout the year. But uh, because Moses doesn't specify, it's probably somewhat more general for fixed times, and it, it allows uh, both of these uh, sorts of things that help uh, divide important uh, appointed times during the year. Uh, so William David Rayburn and Ewan McGregor Fry, uh, in a handbook on Genesis, uh, say, Seasons translates a word derived from a term meaning uh, to fix uh, or appoint times. Uh, the reference is not mainly to the seasons of the year, but rather to the fixed times for carrying out a human activity, uh, such as the stages of the agriculture, agricultural cycle or festive uh, celebrations. Uh, and also uh, Kiel and uh, De Litch, uh, two German scholars, say, uh, for seasons or fixed definite times, uh, not the feastal seasons merely, but uh, to regulate uh, definite points and periods of time by virtue of their periodical influence upon agriculture, navigation, and other human occupations, uh, as well as upon the course of human, animal, and vegetable life. Uh, for example, the breeding time of animals and the migration of, of birds. And so that's for all of these uh, different uh, seasons and uh, assemblies throughout the year. Uh, and so uh, Jeremiah 8, 7, uh, which they, they cite, uh, it says, uh, even the stork in the heavens knows her times. Uh, and the turtle dove, a swallow, and crane keep the time of their coming. But my people know not the rules of the Lord. And so even the stork knows, knows her, uh, her times uh, for, uh, for maybe finding a mate or uh, maybe uh, traveling to a new, new location uh, during, during the winter, uh, taking a vacation and all those things that storks do. Uh, and then Psalm 104 verse 19 says, He made the moon to mark the, the seasons or appointed times. The sun knows its time for setting. Uh, and so uh, the, the Israelites probably would have understood this uh, as they were uh, an agrarian society and uh, worked in agriculture and had uh, flocks and herds. Uh, but also uh, they had all the, the appointed uh, times or assemblies uh, in which they'd have all of their, their feasts. Uh, and so the, all of the luminaries are to, to help uh, govern all of these things. And uh, God has assigned them uh, as his, uh, his creations uh, to fulfill these functions. They're, uh, they're not for the sorts of things that pagans would look to uh, where they guided their destinies or uh, were gods to worship or, or to pray to. And this brings us to the uh, signs. They're for signs. And so again here, uh, Moses doesn't give us uh, any specific examples of what, what kind of signs uh, he's talking about. Uh, and so it might have a, a couple different meanings. Uh, so for one, 
uh, since it's also paired with uh, appointed times uh, and days and years, uh, it likely refers to just ordinary markers uh, and signs uh, from day to day that, uh, and from year to year that help regulate uh, the, the ordinary uh, affairs of, uh, of human life and uh, just how we go about things. It helps give us uh, various uh, markers uh, throughout, uh, throughout the year to uh, divide up our years. But uh, it's also uh, possible uh, that it, it may refer to uh, certain sorts of uh, extraordinary signs uh, that uh, come from God or from one of his uh, infallible uh, spokesmen, uh, such as Moses and the, the prophets. Uh, and so uh, Kiel and Delich uh, say, uh, for signs, that is, for the earth, uh, partly as portents of extraordinary events uh, and divine judgments, uh, partly as showing the different quarters of the heavens and as prognosticating the changes in the weather. And so anything from uh, that could be quite natural uh, to even uh, supernatural uh, events. And they cite uh, Matthew uh, 2 verse 2. Uh, and if you remember the uh, wise men from the east, uh, they come along and they ask, uh, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And so they, they saw his star and they, they followed the star all the way to uh, the Davidic Messiah. And they might actually be drawing from uh, Numbers 24, uh, verse 17, uh, from Balaam. Uh, it's one of the, we talked about the poetic passages in our introduction. I don't know if you remember uh, where it says in the last days. Uh, and in one of them, Genesis 49, Jacob speaks. Uh, in Numbers 24, uh, Balaam speaks. Uh, and then at the end of Deuteronomy, Moses uh, speaks. Uh, and here Balaam says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. Uh, and so it's looking to this coming uh, star and scepter, uh, indicating uh, the, the kingship uh, in uh, the end times, looking for the, the Messiah. And now, just because the wise men from the east followed this star, it uh, doesn't mean we should go looking for stars to, to follow around. <laughs> uh, but uh, in this case, uh, in the, the providence of God, uh, they, uh, they ended up fi finding uh, the, the Jewish uh, Messiah, uh, which is ironic, because at the time, uh, the king over Israel uh, was Herod the Great, uh, who is an Edomian. He was a descendant of Edom, uh, but here was this uh, newborn king who was a, a great threat uh, to uh, King Herod. Uh, and then another uh, sign uh, in Genesis 9, uh, verse 12, uh, God speaks to Noah and says, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all generations 
I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Uh, and so uh, it's a sign. It's to bring a remembrance to God's covenant that he swore he would no longer wipe out uh, every creature, uh, every uh, human uh, with uh, a flood. And it, it, uh, this sign of the, the bow, uh, the, the rainbow, uh, signifies that. And so this isn't with the, the luminaries or the stars in this case, but it's another sort of heavenly sign. Uh, and then in Exodus uh, 7, uh, uh, God, Yahweh, says he will perform many signs and wonders uh, at the hands of Moses uh, to Pharaoh, uh, but that he's going to harden Pharaoh's heart uh, so that he won't uh, repent, so that uh, God's name will become known to the Egyptians and to his people when they see these signs. Uh, the, the signs help indicate who uh, God is. Uh, and then uh, one of the, the plagues in Exodus uh, 10, uh, God calls Moses to uh, stretch forth his hand to the heavens uh, and that when he does that, uh, everything is going to turn pitch black and dark. Uh, and this is a sign of judgment uh, upon uh, the Egyptians. Uh, and that's another sort of sign that we see elsewhere. Uh, just as a final example, in Isaiah 13, uh, verses 9 and 10, uh, it reads, uh, Behold, the day of the Lord, the, the day of Yahweh, comes cruel with wrath and fierce anger to make the land a desolation and to destroy its sinners from it. For the stars of the heavens in their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be dark at its rising and the moon will not shed its light. Uh, and we see that elsewhere in the, the book of Joel, uh, then in the, the Gospels, uh, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ in his uh, discourse on the Mount of Olives uh, talks about how the, the sun will turn dark and uh, the, the stars won't give their light. And he's talking about the, the end of the, the tribulation period uh, and that the, the moon will even uh, turn to uh, blood. It, it will turn blood red. Uh, and so it very uh, well may be uh, that these signs allow for uh, both natural markers throughout the, the year uh, for like agricultural things, but uh, also uh, sometimes extraordinary signs, uh, especially uh, when it's through God's authoritative spokesmen, the prophets, uh, when they tell us uh, this is a sign from God, uh, then we, we know and we have that uh, in Scripture. It is very important to know, though, however, uh, what the signs do not mean. Uh, they do not mean that we can discern or find God's secret will, what he hasn't revealed by looking at the skies and speculating uh, about what they might tell us uh, about the past, present, uh, or future. Uh, if God hasn't assigned meaning to them and hasn't told us uh, through his word, then uh, they have no such meaning uh, what, whatsoever. 
And so it's not for astrology. It's not for reading the stars. It's not for horoscopes or divination, uh, trying to find the secret things. Uh, and so uh, John Calvin, uh, an old uh, theologian, uh, says this. I must, however, in a few words, state the reason why Moses calls them signs. Because certain inquisitive persons abuse these passages to give color to their frivolous predictions. I call those men Chaldeans and fanatics. Uh, Chaldeans are uh, Babylonians. Babylon was full of uh, astrologers, people would, who would look at the stars and people would even look at the, the livers of animals and look at the bumps on it and try and uh, predict the, the future uh, from them. So they, they were involved in divination. I call those men Chaldeans and fanatics who divine everything from the aspects of the stars uh, because Moses declares that the sun and moon were appointed for signs. They think themselves entitled to elicit from them anything they please. But confutation is easy, for they are called signs of certain things, not signs to denote whatever is according to our fancy. What indeed does Moses assert uh, to be signified by them, except things belonging to the order of nature? For the same God who here ordains signs testifies by Isaiah that he, uh, he, quote, will dissipate the signs of the diviners uh, or uh, make fools of the diviners. Isaiah 44, verse 25, and forbids us to be, quote, dismayed at the signs of heaven. Jeremiah 10, verse 2, but since it is manifest that Moses does not depart from the ordinary customs of men, I desist from a longer discussion. Uh, and the, the only thing I'd add to that is maybe in some cases it does refer to extraordinary signs, but only when an infallible, authoritative uh, prophet uh, in the word of God uh, points to it. Uh, then and, and only then. Uh, and so that Jeremiah passage they read, uh, Jeremiah 10 verses 2 and 3, uh, reads this. Uh, Thus says Yahweh, uh, learn not the ways of the nations, nor be dismayed at the signs of the heavens, because the nations are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vanity. Uh, and so we see that uh, we're not to be uh, like the nations and uh, those people who do not know God, who do not have God's word. Uh, and we're not to be dismayed or alarmed or disturbed by uh, the signs and uh, the, the various phenomena that go on in the heavens. Uh, we're not to read meaning into eclipses or into the moon turning red or uh, any such thing uh, whatsoever. Uh, and this is uh, an important passage uh, that uh, I'd recommend if you haven't, maybe even memorizing uh, sometime, uh, Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. Uh, Moses says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Uh, and so, uh, 
believers uh, then and now uh, were not to go beyond uh, what God uh, had revealed. Uh, but uh, as Eric was saying uh, last week in his sermon, uh, that the, the scriptures are uh, sufficient uh, and we are not to go uh, beyond them. And uh, even in the, the day of Moses, uh, they did have a prophet uh, still around who could speak authoritatively uh, for God. Uh, but uh, these days uh, we do not uh, because the, the church has been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets uh, with Christ as the cornerstone. Uh, and in the next chapter, uh, I believe it says in uh, Ephesians uh, 3 uh, and also uh, chapter 4 uh, that uh, the, the apostles and prophets were gifts to the church. These are uh, New Testament uh, prophets and they're the foundation. You, you don't lay a foundation for a building uh, twice, uh, but you build the church uh, upon the, the sound foundation. Uh, and then other passages, Deuteronomy 13 and 18. Uh, it's so serious, uh, false prophets, uh, that uh, they were not to listen to them if they, uh, if they did not speak consistently with what had be, been revealed before. And they were also uh, supposed to get it right 100% of the time. Uh, they were to bat 1,000 uh, or in bowling, is it to, to roll 300, I believe, is a, a perfect score in bowling. Uh, I might be going out on the limb there. Uh, but they're, they're to get it right uh, every uh, single time. Uh, and if not, in those days, uh, it was so serious for a, someone to falsely speak uh, and say, thus says the Lord when God didn't speak, uh, that those prophets were to be uh, put to death. Uh, that's, that's how serious it was. And uh, today... Uh, false prophets are not to be put to death uh, but it's just as serious uh, and we should think of that and so should anyone before they open their mouth and say that God spoke uh, when he hasn't Uh, here's what uh, Paul says to uh, Timothy in 2 Timothy verses 4 uh, 1 through 5 and this is just to stress that uh, today uh, th- these are very uh, important issues. Uh, there are many people uh, in churches today. Uh, there, there are people in any church, uh, in uh, our church, uh, in a Grace Community Church, in any church, uh, good churches, bad churches, uh, all over, uh, who like to have their uh, ears tickled. Uh, they, they like, uh, they like uh, speculations and of vain discussions. Uh, they like what Paul calls uh, irreverent, silly myths uh, in what is falsely called knowledge. They, they want to hear things that tickle their ears, that uh, go beyond Scripture, what God has said. And so uh, Paul exhorts Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in this kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off 
into myths. Uh, and so that's how serious it is to, uh, to not go beyond uh, the word of God and uh, to be very wary when people start talking about uh, blood moons and uh, such things that scripture uh, has not uh, spoken about. Uh, and so uh, we see that the, the signs, uh, they uh, may sometimes be ordinary, other times uh, they, they might be uh, extraordinary, uh, but these are all given by, uh, by God's authoritative spokesman and uh, are the functions that he has assigned to, uh, to the luminaries above. Uh, and then, uh, in addition uh, to them uh, being uh, for separating the day and the night and uh, for being for uh, signs and for seasons and uh, for days and years, uh, they're also simply to uh, give light uh, upon the earth, uh, which really uh, is what they need to do to, to achieve all their uh, other functions as well. And so uh, all of the, the luminaries, the sun, moon, and stars, uh, they're all to uh, give light and they're uh, the, the creations of God uh, to do uh, his will and uh, to fulfill his purposes on the earth uh, as he sees fit and uh, for the, the benefit of his uh, creatures and uh, ultimately for uh, man. And so uh, Victor P. Hamilton says, a few commentators deny that this whole chapter has a strong anti-mythical thrust, uh, perhaps in no other section except the sixth day, uh, does this polemic appear so bluntly as it does here. It is sufficient to recall that the proliferation of astral deities in most Mediterranean religions, the sun, the moon, and the stars are divine. As such, they are autonomous bodies. Uh, that means they are independent. Uh, basically, they do uh, what they see uh, is fit uh, the, uh, because they're, they're not creations. They're, uh, they're seen as uh, gods. Uh, around each of them uh, focus various kinds of religious cults and devotees. In the light of this emphasis uh, in, in this passage, uh, uh, is saying that these luminaries are not eternal. They are created, uh, not to be served, but to serve. That is the mandate under which they function. And so they're, they're not eternal like God, but they're just created things, uh, just like the, the heavens and the earth and uh, the, the seas and the, the vegetation and uh, all of the creatures that we'll see in days uh, five, five and six. Uh, and so now after looking at the command and the, the functions of the, uh, the lights, uh, let's look at God's action, uh, bringing them uh, into uh, existence. So in verses 16, 17, and 18. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. 
Uh, and so the, the greater and lesser lights are uh, obviously the sun and the, the moon. Uh, and it's fairly clear, I think, uh, how, how the sun is greater than the, than the moon uh, because Moses uh, seems to be focusing on their uh, light-bearing uh, properties. Uh, the uh, sun is greater in its uh, intensity and brightness uh, in service to the day. Uh, and the moon has less uh, intensity and brightness uh, by uh, by the night, and so uh, and providing providing their light. Uh, and then uh, it's very interesting that the the lights, uh, if you read along, uh, they're unnamed. Uh, he doesn't say that they're the sun and the moon, uh, although uh, Hebrew has words that are perfectly available uh, for uh, for calling them by those names and. He doesn't even uh, doesn't even name them after he creates them. I mean, he named the the light and the darkness. Uh, he named uh, the expanse. He named the uh, the dry land and the waters below. Uh, but the sun and the moon uh, don't receive any name whatsoever. Uh, why why is this? Well, in the Faith Life Study Bible, they say. Uh, Two lights uh, clearly refers to the sun and the moon, but the writer deliberately avoids the words uh, sun, Shemesh, and moon, Yarea, uh, that correspond to the names of West Semitic deities, uh, Shamash and Yari. Avoiding the Hebrew words for sun and moon may be part of a larger agenda in the narrative to cast all of the heavenly bodies is natural, created phenomena that are subject to the creator, not deities in themselves. In this way, chapter 1 offers a subtle critique of prevailing ancient Near Eastern beliefs about the sun, moon, and stars. These heavenly lights get their authority to rule over the day and night only through the appointment of God. Uh, and so uh, it's to avoid uh, names that are very similar to uh, some of the, the pagan deities. Uh, and here it shows that they're, uh, they're just uh, created objects. Uh, they have uh, no more significance than any other uh, created objects. And uh, this would be pretty clear to the, the Israelites uh, who are uh, learning and reading this and hearing it read from, from Moses. Uh, and then it says there to uh, rule over the day uh, and the, the night. And uh, really, uh, this is just them in their uh, particular domains, the environments that God gave them uh, to fulfill where they fulfill their uh, specific uh, created uh, functions uh, from day to day. The, the sun shines forth its light and uh, separates the day from night and uh, the, the moon by night. Uh, glows and uh, reflects the, the light of the sun uh, to uh, separate the, the night and uh, the, they're just filling their uh, created uh, functions. And then uh, in the very last verses uh, it says, uh, and God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the fourth uh, day. And here again, we, we see that it's good because uh, it's 
fulfilling the, the purpose that God has uh, set forth uh, for the lights and uh, for his creation. And it's uh, moving toward the, the creation uh, of the world. And uh, ultimately, he's going to uh, give man dominion uh, over all the, uh, the, the beasts and the, the animals and the uh, fish and the birds uh, in all of their respective uh, environments. Uh, and so uh, that's why it's good. God is the perfectly good creator and everything uh, he makes is uh, good uh, and it uh, fulfills uh, the purpose that he's determined for it. I'd also like to talk just a little bit more uh, about uh, idolatry uh, and just how, how great of a threat uh, it was uh, for uh, the people in those days uh, and even uh, today. Uh, just as in, in those times, uh, like our days, uh, people assign uh, to created things uh, the, the, the honor, uh, the glory, uh, the, the, the attributes and the authority uh, that belongs uh, only uh, to God uh, and to God alone. Uh, but God uh, is the only uh, valid object of worship. And I remember a theologian uh, talking about if you want to know uh, what idolatry is uh, and who your God is, uh, you can ask questions like, um, in whom or what uh, do I put my ultimate hope uh, and trust. Uh, if you put your ultimate hope and trust in money, then money is your God. Uh, you, you can also ask um, uh, whom or what uh, do I fear uh, the, the most? Uh, and if, if you fear man uh, above all, uh, if you fear uh, rulers and authorities above all, uh, then they are your God. Uh, we, we're told that we are to uh, fear God and to fear God uh, alone. Uh, Jesus said uh, he's the one who can, uh, who can judge and who can kill uh, and then can uh, cast uh, body and soul uh, into hell. Uh, God is to be feared. He is the, uh, the ultimate judge. And uh, not every time the Bible says to fear God, uh, it, means, it doesn't necessarily mean uh, fear uh, because you're you're afraid of uh, necessarily of punishment uh, or threat, uh, but fear can also uh, be a word uh, to speak of reverence. Uh, we are to uh, to revere God uh, above all else. Uh, and then you can also ask, uh, whom or what do I give my ultimate uh, thanks uh, and praise? Uh, and there are many people who praise. Uh, many, many things uh, throughout their life, uh, but a uh, God uh, isn't one of them. Uh, it shows that uh, they're idolaters. They, uh, they have other gods, and uh, probably all of us uh, fall into uh, idolatry uh, from, from time to time. And so the, the Israelites uh, were not to place their hope, uh, their trust, uh, their their fear or give their thanks and praise uh, to the, the sun, moon, and stars uh, or uh, any other uh, created thing. 
uh, as Moses says in uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 4, uh, verses uh, 15 through 20. Uh, this is a, a section uh, on idolatry. He says, Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully, since you saw no form on, that, on the day that the Lord spoke to you at Horeb, uh, and that's at uh, Mount Sinai, uh, at the mountain where the, the Ten Commandments were given. Uh, out of the midst of the fire, beware lest you act corruptly uh, by making a carved image for yourselves in the form of any figure, uh, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the water under the earth. And beware lest you raise your eyes to heaven. And when you see the sun and the moon and the stars, all the host of heaven, you be drawn away and bow down to them and serve them. Things that the Lord your God has allotted to all the peoples under the whole heaven. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace out of Egypt, to be a people of his own inheritance, as you are uh, this day. Uh, and he says he's allotted to all the peoples under the, the whole heaven. It means he put them uh, under the, the sun, moon, and stars, and all of the, uh, the, the, the demons that are behind them. Uh, when, uh, when people uh, worship uh, the sun, moon, and stars, or any created thing, uh, ultimately, uh, they are worshiping uh, fallen angels uh, and uh, demons, uh, not the, the true God, uh, but uh, created things. And uh, Matthew says, uh, For the Hebrews who sojourned from Egypt, their ancestors had seen the importance the Egyptians attached to the sun deity. Also, the newly freed Hebrews, who knew of Abraham's sojourn from Ur, uh, would have recognized the same idolatrous inclinations among his ancestors in Mesopotamia. Uh, the Mosaic community imposed the gravest penalty upon anyone worshipping celestial bodies. Uh, Moses recognized that one important implication of the creation account was the prohibition of idolatry. Idolatry was perceived as a sin against God as creator and covenant Lord. In Deuteronomy 4, verses 15 through 20, Moses draws on the language and imagery of chapter 1, though in reverse order, and also, also refers to uh, the Sinai revelation in prohibiting the representation of God as any living creature or heavenly body. Here is a stern warning for our times for any who would seek the stars in charting their lives. And so I want us to just understand uh, how, uh, how extremely uh, serious and weighty uh, idolatry is. 
uh, if you think about it, uh, it's really uh, rebellion uh, against uh, the righteous king uh, and just judge uh, of all uh, the earth. Uh, to reject God is to reject the very source of life, of truth, of goodness, uh, of beauty. Uh, and if you reject that, then everyone does uh, what is right in his or her uh, own uh, eyes. Uh, and so uh, we can look to the, the 20th century uh, where you even just look at uh, communist nations uh, and you have uh, well over 100 million people who were murdered, uh, where everyone does uh, what is right uh, in their own eyes. Uh, in uh, recent decades in the United States of America, uh, we have killed uh, 50 million uh, unborn uh, babies. Uh, and that's because people have rejected uh, God. Uh, they have rejected uh, the righteous creator. They've rejected the just judge. Uh, and so everyone just does uh, what is right uh, in their own eyes. Uh, in Rome, uh, Paul, uh, at the end of Romans chapter 1, uh, which is all about idolatry and what happens when people uh, reject uh, the, the creator, a God who has revealed himself uh, to all people through the things that have been made so that uh, they are without uh, excuse. Uh, they are without uh, a defense uh, because God has made uh, these things uh, in his own uh, person and nature uh, clearly known. Uh, his invisible attributes have been clearly seen uh, through uh, what has been made. Uh, they, they look to the heavens uh, and we see God's uh, eternal power. Uh, we see his uh, divine uh, nature. Uh, and this uh, makes us uh, without excuse. Uh, and at the end of the chapter, uh, Paul just talks about what happens when God, in his judgment, just gives people over to their sin and lets them do uh, what sinners uh, naturally do. He says, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, uh, boastful, uh, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Uh, and so uh, sin loves uh, company, doesn't it? Uh, sinners uh, encourage uh, other sinners uh, in their uh, sin. And so instead of uh, stirring them up to love and good works uh, and obedience to God, uh, they uh, stir them up and encourage them uh, just uh, to, uh, to, to more and more sin. Uh, and so uh, this is why 
uh, because uh, Gentiles and the nations uh, all know God and have rebelled against God. Uh, and uh, Jewish people who have God's law written uh, not just on their hearts, their consciences, uh, but they have the, the word of God, uh, but they, they still violate it. They still sin against it. Uh, that's why uh, Paul says uh, no one is good. Uh, no, not not one. Uh, no, no one uh, seeks uh, for for God, uh, and so that shows uh, ultimately uh, that uh, God uh, needs uh, to give uh, a solution for this. Uh, otherwise, uh, the, the 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 only conclusion, uh, the only end, uh, is that ultimately uh, God will uh, justly judge. Uh, everyone will stand before him and give an account, uh, and he will find uh, each and every uh, single individual, uh, whether young or old, uh, of every ethnicity, uh, male and female, uh, he will find them uh, guilty, uh, and they will, uh, they will be guilty and suffer uh, condemnation uh, leading to death, and uh, ultimately the, the second death, which is uh, eternal uh, but, uh, as Paul says, and let me just turn to Romans 3. He concludes uh, in verse 19, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. And to be justified is to be declared righteous, but uh, no one no one is righteous uh, before God because all have sinned. Uh, but then Paul says in verse 21, uh, But now uh, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it of the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Uh, and this uh, righteousness, uh, as uh, Douglas Moo says, uh, Paul draws this righteousness uh, from uh, Isaiah. Uh, this is God's saving righteousness uh, that he brings. It's not just the, the righteousness from God, or it's not the righteousness God possesses, but it's the saving righteousness uh, that God brings to establish uh, righteousness. Uh, and it's through faith uh, in uh, Jesus uh, Christ. Uh, Christ, uh, meaning uh, anointed, he's the anointed one. He's uh, the anointed king who was uh, proclaimed long ago uh, that he would come uh, and that he'd be the savior of his own people, the Jewish people, uh, but not just of them, uh, but that uh, Yahweh's salvation would extend to all of the, the nations uh, of uh, the earth. It, it wasn't just limited to the Jewish people, uh, but to extend uh, to everyone. Uh, and it, it was told, uh, for example, that the, this one would be uh, mighty God, uh, eternal father uh, in Isaiah 9. Uh, he is the uh, eternal one. He is the uh, exalted one. Uh, he is the one who existed uh, as God and with God uh, for all eternity. 
uh, and he uh, came and lived uh, the the perfect life. He was uh, he was uh, sinless. Uh, he he became a man through uh, through the virgin birth and lived a, a sinless life that that we couldn't couldn't live. Uh, and Paul goes on that. Uh, there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. Uh, and in his death, uh, he offered himself as the, uh, the perfect sacrifice, uh, the sacrifice that uh, through trusting in him uh, and trusting in his finished and complete work, uh, that uh, they would be perfected, that their sins would be completely uh, wiped out, that they uh, would be removed, as Eric often says, as far as the, the east is from, uh, from the, the west. Uh, and that, uh, that they, they would uh, be forgiven for their sins and God's wrath, uh, God's justice uh, would be uh, satisfied. Uh, as it says, uh, this was to show God's righteousness uh, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. Uh, it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he may be just and the justifier of the one who has faith uh, in Jesus. And so God is simultaneously just uh, in that he punishes sin. He doesn't just overlook it. He doesn't just let it go, uh, that would be unjust of God. Uh, but at the same time, because God is a good and merciful, he's also the justifier. He's the one who declares uh, sinners righteous. Uh, he's the one who uh, declares the unjust just uh, because in Christ, uh, his righteousness is uh, imputed uh, to them uh, so that they can be the uh, the very uh they, they can bear the, the very righteousness of, of Christ. And uh, as Paul says, it's, uh, it's to all, all who believe, uh, all who will, who will repent, who will uh, stop trusting in their own self-righteousness, who will uh, stop trusting in uh, false gods, whether it be the, uh, the sun and the moon or uh, whether it be money or uh, any other thing that they put their hope and trust and fear in. Uh, if they'll turn from those uh, vain things and uh, trust in Christ and Christ alone, uh, then uh, they uh, they will uh, be saved. And at the very end of uh, Romans 4, in the beginning of 5, uh, Paul says, uh, it will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, uh, who is delivered up for our trespasses, uh, and raised for our justification. Uh, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, uh, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it's a, a free gift that's received only through uh, the, the empty hands of faith, and uh, even God uh, grants that. Uh, God grants uh, repentance and, uh, and faith. Uh, and so that those are the uh, the promises of Scripture, and that's uh, that's our uh, our hope. Uh, and so uh, let's just uh, pray.
Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Genesis and chapter 1 that shows us that you are the one true God, uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, uh, the God of history, that you have truly acted in history, that uh, you have left your fingerprints over uh, all of creation and uh, throughout history and uh, that there that even in the prophets it speaks of uh, the righteousness righteous one who would come uh, and redeem his people from their sins uh, and then uh, in the New Testament we have the eyewitnesses who who saw him uh, who who learned from him in his ministry uh, who saw him after his death, burial, resurrection and who speak of these things so that uh, we may have confidence in your word that uh, the the Christ, the Messiah uh, truly has come uh, that uh, he is your eternal son uh, and that uh, one day uh, he will uh, come again uh, in return for uh, for all who trust in him and uh, we will be with him and uh, with you for all eternity and uh, in his kingdom and uh, in the new heavens and the new earth Uh, and we pray that these things would uh, come to pass Uh, that in the meantime you'd build us up in your word and uh, build up our uh, fellow believers and uh, teachers and elders that you would make them faithful and uh, show us our Uh, our gifts and uh, just give us a love for you and for one another that we would uh, serve you and uh, serve one another and uh, Lord Jesus we pray that you would come soon and uh, we pray that it would be our desire to uh, to obey you uh, and to uh, to walk in your teaching and in your commandments uh, and in the faithfulness that uh, only you can produce and uh, that you bring about through through your spirit and so we pray that you you would come soon and that we would uh, be with you and honor and glorify you and we thank you for these things amen